All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Grumpy Pony podcast. My name is Ben, and I've been joined again by Tony and Rob. Say hello, guys. Hello, Hi. guys. Oh, hilarious. Right, so it went so well last time, I thought, you know, why, why not do it again? So I've invited uh, Tony and Rob back to have a little chat about stuff. So we're going to do it in the same way as we did last time, which is to basically just have us chinwag for a bit about hobby stuff that interests us. So... Uh, Getting started, I think it was, it was Shane last week mentioned in the comments of our last podcast about the Astartes YouTube uh, series. Yeah. And have you guys managed to see it yet? Oh, God, yeah. Yes. What was the opinions? Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really it is good. good. It is good. It's shockingly good. Yeah. Oh, great. Next topic. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smashed it. Smashed it. We'll be able to we'll done this in no time. No, do you know what? I, did, I really, really enjoyed it. And there was one little bit in it, and it, I don't know whether it was me, just my little nerdy space marine. Oh, come on. Thing coming Tell us then, because there was lots of good bits. Was, this is interesting. The bit that I really liked was a bit, and I think it's in part four, where one of the... Um, one of the Space Marines gets the bolter, puts it over the balcony mm-hmm. and starts to shoot it, but has to put his hand on top of it because it's got such a kick. Ah. And you just see the kick behind the weapon. I don't know if I even noticed that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but I love the idea. I agree with you. Uh, there's some great touches in there. In fact, it's probably worth at this stage telling people that this is... Uh, what is it now? Four, a four-part movie. Yeah. With each part only being maybe a couple of minutes long or three if minutes that, long, I mean, something like that. Mm, yeah. And it's on YouTube. And yeah. if people would have searched for Astartes... It's just Astartes. It will come up as its own playlist, I think, now. It's got its own channel. So It's obvious do... when you see it because it's yeah. Space Marines and, you know, uh, you're, you're safe. Through the wonders of technology, I reckon we could put a link to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think, I, do you know what? Would... I think even I could do that. Well, that's... That, well... Yeah, you, yeah YouTube. <laughs> we are so IT... <laughs> So yeah, on your point about um, the guy placing his hand mm. on the on the, the top of the bolter there, I have a similar part in this, okay? But yeah. mine is much more mundane, but of it, but along a similar vein. So in the very opening sequences, when they're going onto the drop ship, you see them walking down a corridor from behind, you're following a couple of these marines, and then they turn left abruptly to go inside the drop ship. And as they turn, one of the marines raises his hand and puts his hand on a on like a guide rail as he turns. As, mm. he, well, as he turns left through the door and uh, I remember the, like, I just saw that and I thought oh my god what an incredible touch because it's like very natural it yeah. makes it feel very real suddenly just a little thing like that because the guy that went in first didn't the second guy felt the need to put his hand on this little rail and it looked very so the human. way that the marines were moving Mm. Right. They, th- when you look at the models, certainly the old models from twenty-five years, <laughs> uh, and their fixed poses, like uh, power armor looks like it's big and heavy and bulky. But one thing I think they did really well with, with with all of them, like you say, with that with that sort of yeah. moment of fluidity when he grabs the railing, like it, it made them made it look like these were people who were used to wearing this armor, and it was a, mm. like, like a second skin. Like they mm. weren't they weren't clunking about. Yeah, painfully, they were moving around really smoothly and yeah, yeah, yeah. They look dangerous, and that's the thing. They look dangerous. The weapons look like they've got some real punch behind them. Yeah, you know, and I just see, and I think as well when you look at going back to like the you know the whole having to put the hand over the gun like that, Mm. you think that these guys are meant to be these superhuman like killing machines, but that even they're like 
this gun's got a bit of a kick. <laughs> I'm gonna have to like, yeah. I'm gonna have to restrain it a bit, you know, just to get the accuracy on it. And I just love that little attention to detail that I just, did, I think, you know, other, like, you know, other, other movies and things don't touch on it. And then we touch on sort of like, you know, the grand scale of, you know, there is only war and all that. And they tend to miss these little details. Yeah. Other yeah. movies? Am I maybe sort of like segueing into the was it oh, Ultramarines movie? Ultra, like the, the, one the most Tony's... disappointing movie yeah, I think yeah. I've ever purchased. You did purchase the special one limited oh, edition I have the special box. Limited edition. Oh yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, which came with the purity seal, which sits on your on your fridge. Yep, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, well, no, actually, the purity seal was from Space Marine. Uh, the PS3 game, oh. which was awesome. Oh, that's yeah. cool. that, that told a really good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but we were saying, yeah. Rob and I were saying, having watched the Astarte stuff, like, like it told a really good story in a very short period of time. Mm. And I think it's quite hard to tell a big story about Space Marines sometimes because it's, it's all action all the time. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily, I mean, it makes, it makes for like an interesting story story and, and and in the short span of whatever five six minutes of the astarte stuff like it makes for a really excellent exciting five six minutes but if it's like a two hour long movie of non-stop space marine action you're going back to the sort of 1980s yeah. transformers movie and stuff like that which like kind of drags on a little bit i think like it's too much action mm. constantly like, there's not enough room for story and this was the problem i was saying we had when we did the Death Watch roleplay that a few of us did um, a few years ago. Um, there's just not enough scope. Like the action is really exciting, but sometimes the the, the scope for story is a bit. It almost yeah, it just swamps everything else, and he's sort of like, well, what's happening in this? Well, yeah, it's yeah. the thing like you know, there's your Space Marine. He's genetically modified, perfect warrior. You know, lives and breathes for fighting. Um, it's hard to see the kind of humanity in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how do you relate to... Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they, they train all day, then they kind of, like, pray a little bit, and then yeah. they get up and then they train again all day. Then they pray a Unless little bit. Unless they're, what, the pansy blood angels who like to make pottery and stuff. Maybe they do some potting, pottery, <laughs> yeah, or some, maybe... Some, some pottery. <laughs> paint some works paint, of art. Paint some art and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, brother, brother Gadrion, I noticed you've painted another image of you driving your chainsaw through a Gene Steeler's head. It's the fourth one this month. It's imaginative, but... Uh... <laughs> so was it, the, was it in, in the Horus Heresy where um, Garville Loken's on an allotment on the moon? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it. like basically he ends up at some point. Well, he's not on an allotment, but I just love the idea of him in a greenhouse. I like the idea. Like, yeah, he's in a garden on the moon. AKA Thanos in yeah. the garden. Yeah, yeah. Who is it? Lo- Logan or something? Lo- uh, Logan, um, Garville Logan. He basically, like, you know, after he gets, like, he goes back to Terror and he does loads of different missions and stuff. And then he's sort of like, he's very much like the Rambo of the story. He's like, yeah, I gave that up. Yeah. yeah, leave me alone. I'm not not doing that anymore. And then like he's he, he's left on the moon at some point, like tending his garden. It'd be funny if some other Still like allotment. guys turned up and were like, "Hey, Logan, you ain't gonna get nowhere hoeing like that." <laughs> <laughs> Segway into a whole new yeah, yeah, storyline. Yeah, yeah. Get off my land! <laughs> oh no, I think you'll find this is my allotment. This is my spot. <laughs> No yeah. wild games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the uh, in the starters, getting back onto that, <laughs> there's no speech. Mm. Which is excellent. Yeah. 
yeah, not yeah. because I'm like particularly against having the characters talk, um, but if these great like destructive warriors are going to go in and uh, execute an operation, which is essentially what's going on during the course of these shorts, yeah, um, obviously, like I said, they they train and then they pray a bit, then they send half their brain to sleep, and then they get up, they train some more. You train to a point where you would uh, you wouldn't even need to communicate, right? Because you're like angels of destruction, so you don't go in there and be like. Well, I mean, I think left, as well, right. the, the use of sound in that whole in the whole series of videos is done really well, and like you know, it just, the, the sounds of the weapons just sound perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had just chatter going on all the time, it would take away from all of that. Yeah. You know, like, and and, and you know, there's always there could always be the assumption that they're chatting through the headsets so you can't necessarily hear it because you're you're almost watching you're like a third observer like watching from another point oh that's true so there could be just chatting through there because there's a one bit where um one of the space marines helmet starts to crack yeah and you can see all the workings of the helmet inside almost like you can see like the the, the, the lens the lens bit start to crack spoilers spoilers well, it's, yeah spoilers the lens cra- <laughs> the lens cracks <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, and then it's just that use of sound, like it's really subtle. And I just think it, there's a temptation, I think, with 40k, especially when you see some of the videos that people have made and some of the films, is to overdo it, mm. you know. And, and it's just done really, really subtly. And yeah, I, just, I, I thought it was awesome. I can't wait for the fifth one. Yeah, me neither. I want to know what's behind that door, yo. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Tony said to me, "Well, these are good, Robert. Where's the story?" I said, "Like, man, the yeah. story is right there." Just, You've got the door thing tiny, going tiny, on. Tiny, you can tell who the good guys and the bad guys are. So, someone's got a naysay in this guy. <laughs> There's always got to be a detractor in it, Stormy Tony. Well, who remembers, um, again, guys out there, if you've not seen it, get onto YouTube, type in The Lord Inquisitor. Mm. Oh, yeah. This was an independently made mm. project, again, CGI'd, um, and got a lot of, like, caused a, a lot of kerfuffle in the community mm. when that uh, was released. I think you can find kind of. Like a five-minute teaser trailer yeah, or something like that. He hasn't finished it. He's still working on it. I think, as far as we know, it's still a work in progress. But that is uh, that's very cool. Yeah. Because again, it really captures the, oh, it just captures the 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 uh, the whole essence of the of the forty k universe. Really, mm. there's like a military parade going on down this road. Um, with Space Marines and Imperial Guard and this Inquisitor's being dragged along in his big fancy carriage and while he's in the carriage he's kind of communicating with his little inquisitorial team that are up on a spire somewhere overlooking the parade and they're they're capturing like a heretic some ne'er-do-well that's inside the Isn't Imperial the authority I think it's the governor uh, well it didn't seem like his uh his like his living quarters were so fancy to be the governor. He was he was up high though. He was up high. They're up high. He looked like a kind of middle management kind of <laughs> you know administratum type to me. I didn't think he was necessarily the governor, but I may be wrong. Yeah, yeah. It would be worth going back to the clip and having a look. But everything in that you've got like um well in fact the way the physically the way the marines are portrayed marching along next to the guardsmen yeah, and the yeah. way the dreadnoughts were portrayed next to the marines everything felt like it was scaled properly. Yeah. And um, it looked also you need like these the realism to it as well, don't you? You need to feel like what well, you're watching. Yeah, is real. I mean that, that's I suppose that's when because that's what I say like when, when there's that temptation to sort of overcook it, mm. and you, you they just concentrate on the huge, big, the vastness of the war, the galaxy, the whole galaxy, that you lose the sort of track of it because you, you want to concentrate on the individual stories. I think that's where like I think 
you know, when you when you look at some of the, the artwork that Games Workshop does for the codexes and things, I think that's why the one of the reasons why the codexes are so popular because you go through it and you get a real sense for what the day to day lives of these sort of characters are. Mm. So like, you know, in the in the Gene Stiller Cult Codex and stuff where you've got these individual cults, how they turned like how they came about, what their individual little like uh, rituals are, you know, like before and, they go into battle they Ben Ben kind of relates to that whole um, radicalization. Radicalization, sacrificing yourself, you know, for you know, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story of heroes within um, a great big um, you know, great vistas of, of unknown war and darkness, isn't it? Mm. That's what forty K is all about. It's a story of heroes. From the top down, because you've got, you know, look at it, it's a story of like Bad heroes, good heroes, you know, from Horus to, like, I don't know, Solar Macarius or whatever, or take take anyone. It's personalities within this huge conflict. And then it's an opportunity for you to go and create your own heroes within that conflict when yeah. you play the games. That's, I think that's a big, big part of it when you start to, like, break it down. I mean, because we'll always remember that hero guardsman that managed to stand against a gene stealer back in second edition i don't think it ever actually happened i think that we built that up in our mind i'm sure it happened (laughs) once because we wanted it to happen so badly but no one ever actually managed it but we'd still wait for that he's still a hero (laughs) (laughs) he exists he's still a hero in our hearts (laughs) so it's about those times where you know just one you know one guy makes the difference yeah in this in this huge like complicated dangerous world of either the battlefield or the world of 40k you want to see that it's those little snippets and like you say about the codexes you know you read like the artwork is another good example mm. okay? because on any 40k i'm looking around the shop now but generally on a 40k box set you look at this one over here for example and you've got four very prominent marines fighting three very prominent orcs you know and but you can sit but they're in but a whole battle yeah, scene. But there's not hundreds of other marines mm. in the background and orcs in the background. Exactly. And it's what it's telling you is the focus of this game comes down to these little battles, like mm. you're saying, Ben. You know, yeah. it's like the little scraps happening in this giant, you know, diorama yeah. of, of conflict. Yeah, and, it's happening on a much bigger scale, but you you're focused in on this one thing, you know, that's gonna affect this huge story. In fact, Astartes, if you think about it, it's doing exactly the same thing, right? Because it starts out in space in the ship and there's a planet in the background and then a few craft full of marines leave then before you'll know it you seem to be following just five marines mm. and then before you know it kind of in that room there's three marines two of them in canon combat and the guy was bombing yeah. and you know and so and also all the bad guys there's a lot of bad guys to begin with and then they start to get shredded by the weapons and then it boils down to fewer bad guys until so, you know, it's almost like the course of the movie is, uh, is from a broad perspective, uh, ships, worlds, asteroid belts, and it's narrowing down in the space of just five minutes. It's taking you on that yeah. little kind I like of how you're describing this with your hands on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really helps our, our, our audio audience to, to understand <laughs> what it is you're doing while you, while you explain to us. You can, they can hear that I'm gesticulating through the tone of my voice. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. this and also, noise that, on that the table. <laughs> the, the, the noise of just repetitive friction on the table, yeah. No, that, well, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I agree, I agree with you. And actually, now you've said it, it seems really obvious. But let's wait and see, see what happens in the next one. If it's just like one guy left. It probably you know. will be right, because... Yeah. 
Are we going to give some spoilers or what? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think we should let let them all watch Astartes. Okay, well, and then and then maybe throw in some comments on what you guys thought about it, and uh, yeah, maybe we can revisit this on the next one. I tell you what, if there's going to be a part five, they're going to open this door. What and not I, and Ben suggested it, and I'm sticking with it. One, someone's going to get offed. There's going to be like a, a jibbing. Right. A j- you know what I mean? Well, it... Someone's going to get jibbed. <laughs> one goodies. <laughs> and then it will take one more, and then there'll be like one more that will win the day. But there's going <clears> to <throat> there's gonna be a big jibbing. There's probably some super gun behind it or something. Sort of Who knows? You know, or a Who's, demon. Okay, so yeah, guess guesses in the comments what's behind the door. A jib, yeah. Uh, yeah, jibbing. Yeah, yeah, jibbing. <laughs> jibbing. <laughs> oh god. Right. Well, yeah, I reckon, but we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I don't know how. I mean, he's, he seems to be releasing them relatively quick. Yeah, I didn't see how long there was between. I didn't releasing. see the interval between. No, because well, I mean, I started watching when it was part three and. There wasn't seem to be a huge gap between that and part four. Randomly, I just came across it on the YouTube. Um, on the old YouTubes. Thing. On the YouTubes. On the YouTubes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully it's not too long because I really enjoyed them. And a couple of minutes, it's not... Yeah. Shouldn't. Will Games Workshop ever commission like a proper studio to do a proper... They did commission movie. a proper they studio. Did. They did. It was awful. Yeah, yeah. What about human well, actors? I don't think they threw enough... I mean, this is it. Like we Because we, we, we were saying about... Um, you know, why why was Ultramarine so bad? Mm. Um, and and yet you look at some of the games and stuff that they've been you know because this Astartes is I think fan made and yeah. Lord Inquisitor is fan made, but Games Workshop will put their name behind um, like the THQ computer games, Dawn of War and stuff like that. The cutscenes from those they look fantastic. Yeah. The audio is fantastic. The story is fantastic. Space Marine, the computer game, probably one of my, oh, I'm going to say it, one of my all-time favourite computer games. Right. Great story. Yet when they put their name to a movie, it was just awful. And I think, like, maybe it just came down to budget. Maybe they just didn't throw enough money. Like, when you, you know, when you look at the, what was it, the 1960s version of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. It's the one with, like, part live action, part yeah, animated. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like, seriously, look that up. Um, yeah. I'm pointing at you in podcast land. <laughs> look up the 1960s Lord of the Rings. You're in for a treat. But you compare that to Peter Jackson uh, and his, his, his rendition of it and the money that they were able to mm. throw in the, and the people they were able to bring in, you, 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 know, you can produce something of that scale and still have it. There were, there were some big name actors, well, big-ish name actors in Ultimately. Sean Pertwee. Sean Pertwee, yeah. yeah. John Hurt. John Hurt was in it. And he was in the uh, 1960s Lord of the Rings. Look at that. <laughs> Five degrees of separation, <laughs> anyway. He'll just do anything to hurt when he's on Oh, yeah, he'll put his name to anything I'll hurt, wouldn't he? <laughs> and, uh, oh, and then another guy. Ah, and Guy 3. Yeah, but he was in that Chernobyl thing recently. Have you seen this Chernobyl series? No, but okay, everyone, it's one gonna, of those ones where everyone keeps telling me I need to watch it. It's yeah, completely off topic, this, yeah. but there's this, old, there's this old communist guy that sits in the room when they're having like a crisis meeting and he gets up and he's like, oh, don't question the state, the state is always right. And Anyway, whoever that guy is, he's actually a very famous British actor. He is the third. But he's the third big name. Terence Stamp. Thank you and good night. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasted everyone's time. Sort of left you to your thoughts there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
so just just I've just had a quick look. So the first Astartes came out a year ago, then ten months ago, then five months ago, then two weeks ago. So every, there's some months in between it. Yeah, there's, mm. there's going to be a few months. Where's this dude from? I don't know. Well, you I'll look at we'll 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 that we'll look next up later. Time. But okay, well, I think that's covered that. But um, the next topic I want to talk about is what is on our hobby tables and what are we excited about? Now, I think we know what I'm excited about because I have the same as last week, which is Game of Thrones. And I've been painting some more stuff. So I think I'm pretty much there. I've just got some Lannister Guardsmen I need to paint up. And I'm waiting for some more Boltons to arrive. Once they arrive, I am all over that. And we played a game, didn't we, Tony? We did. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that it's kind of now what I'm excited about. Exactly. It's a good game. That is a, it is a very cool game. Yeah, it's good fun. What's this about you two playing each other and no one died? Well, you know, you know in, in Game of Thrones, you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Is that a quote from the That's series? That's a quote from the series, yeah. Is that what Cersei says that yeah. time? Yeah. I, I did know that, I think. You did know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but not in the game, in the board oh, game. Oh no, in version. the game I got, I got murdered, yeah. So you no, did actually well, lose. I think we both, both of our commands. So, so yeah, but, um, Jamie Lannister died. Rob Stark yeah. died. Yeah, but I think and there were a bunch of other nameless yeah, people. Yeah, that yeah, died yeah. As so well. A bunch of red shirts died as well. But, yeah. um, but because because obviously we were both learning the game. This was the first time playing it. I think it's safe to say that Tony won in the six turns. The moral the, victory. The moral victory. But we did. We carried on playing. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I think it, I think it was a draw in the end, wasn't it? Pretty yeah, we much? called it a draw. Yeah. I, mean, I think we'd gone to about eight turns, and I think we realised at some point, possibly more. I think we realised at one point that possibly there was a six-turn limit. On yeah, the mechanic. So let yeah. me just get this clear in my head because I didn't witness this, but I'm quite, I am pretty interested in this uh, in this little game. You had some Lannisters versus some uh, Starks, some Starks, and what was the objective? So we kept it really simple. <laughs> yeah, we just did a straight-up chucker. I can't remember what they, they have well, a name for it. Yeah, it's, um, it's just, it's, it's just straight, straight up chucker, which is amazing. It's an amazing name for a game mode. But, um, but no, yeah, it's basically the, the, the regular game mode. Uh, it's just the Game of Thrones, where you have a selection of, uh, I think it's five objectives on the table. Yeah. And each objective gives you a special ability or it affects you in a certain way for holding it. Right. As well. So, it's, yeah, although it is a straight up chucker. There are. This is very different. That you're not just sort of plonking a guy on a unit, and that's it. Like those on an objective. Diff- those different object. Yeah, those no. different objectives do different things as well. Okay. So there was that one, wasn't it? Where basically you put a unit on the objective, and he can just keep respawning that and re- healing. Yeah, regenerate yeah, three yeah. wounds. Um, there was another one which was really, like you got two victory points if you held it, but you had to take a yeah. panic test. Yeah. Okay. Um, what every turn that you hold every, it? So every yeah. turn that you hold it. So you have like a sort of an activation phase, and then like a roundup phase, and at the end of the roundup phase, you you work out who's sitting on what objective. Yeah. What was that objective? The one where you have to take the panic test. Oh, they, they're it. not cool. You just have these little objective cards that you put next to the objective token, and you draw them randomly, and it just tells you what that objective does. Ah. Okay. So yeah, but so each time it's random, and there's like a decent sized stack of objective cards as well. So it could be different every time. So is it like a, a move, shoot, combat, reconcile kind of style? So game? turn by kind turn, of, army by kind, army. Yeah, kind it's of. It's not army by army. So first of all, it's alternating activation. 
Okay. Um, so for those of you that don't know what that means, unlike in, say, Warhammer, um, where uh, my entire army would fight and then your entire army would have a go and then my army, you uh, you have a roll-off at the beginning to decide who is the player with initiative mm-hmm. and that person keeps the initiative yeah. for the whole game, mm-hmm. uh, in, certainly in that particular yeah. mission that we did. Um, and then each round... Um, at the start of the activation phase so you've got an activation phase and then a roundup phase in each round in the start of the activation phase I pick one unit from my army I activate that that unit can either move or it can shoot or it can run or it can do something else Mm -hmm. Uh, and then Ben picks a unit then I pick a unit and then Ben picks a unit and we keep going that can include the non-combat units as well so, oh, so yes. the ones that are off the table, you can activate them. So you, it, it does come down to a choice sometimes. Is do I activate the non-combat unit to get a special ability, or do I risk it, move another unit on the board, on the actual table, and potentially give up a tactics section? Because once there's a model on the tactics board, no other model can go on that tactics position. So there's different things that you can drop on there, so you can make... Other units take panic tests, you can regenerate wounds, or you can get free combat, free movement. So you can take, like, Ned from your yeah. off-board, put him into this tactical zone, mm. therefore, like, trump one of the tactical abilities, Yeah. Um, and give your unit a buff yeah. on, the, on the table. Or, and it's not insignificant either. No, so, so, yeah. so we got to about turn five or six, and Ben had one unit left on the table. And he was kind of ready to call it I was, I was ready to call he, it. He was I was like, oh, I, I, can't, I can't see what's going to happen here. And I, and I kind of persuaded him to keep playing a little bit because I felt like there was more that could be done. And although um, I, I think looking back on it, I think that, that was about turn six. And yeah, that, yeah. that would have been a victory for, for Stark. We carried on playing. And through using that, 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 that political board, that tactics mm. thing, he managed to wipe out two other units. Mm. So just because we were down to one unit apiece. And because he had two non-combat characters, he dominated that, 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 that sort of political board to the point that it kind of drew it back from, oh, from yeah. almost certain defeat. So <laughs> as he's lost... Uh, sorry, but, but as yeah. you've lost battlefield units, yeah. it means that you're free to activate your off-board units more... Yeah, well, essentially, you're always going to be able to activate because well, the, the way we built our armies as well was really interesting because Tony went for more combat units on the on the table, and I went for two non-combat units. So to get like I had more of a control over the tactics board, mm-hmm. but Tony had more actual units on the battlefield. Mm. So at first, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be this is going to be tough. But considering Cersei can make like half a unit run away if you use her properly. Like you know, you, you use her ability to reduce panic, like the abilities to people to pass panic tests, and then you drop other things on them. Then you, like guys are just running away. So he killed Rob Stark. Yeah, yeah. Well, so intrigue and stuff like that does it, and and there's that once you get past the whole thing of because I, I you know when I've my experience of playing like tabletop games has always been like my units on the table, this is what they can do, and this is it. But then you've got a whole card, a deck of cards. Depending on what characters you've got on the table, you've got a whole deck of cards where you can go, oh, no, you can't do that. Or, like, bang, I'm doing this. And you, you've got other things that you can play. And all these cards activate at different times. So that's the biggest challenge, is remembering when these cards can activate. What, during the uh, turn phases? Yeah, during, so, yeah, I mean, typically speaking, you have a hand of, I think it was three cards. Yeah. There are certain mechanics where you can pull a couple of extra. Yeah, like Tyrion lets you um, draw an extra card and things like that. 
But generally speaking, you only ever have three cards in your hand. So it's just a case of reading those cards and um, knowing when you can use them. But um, I know you, Rob, you were saying like sometimes you struggle with the sheer range of stratagems because yeah. that's what essentially they are. Yeah. They'll be, you know, from 40k familiarity, like they are basically stratagems. Yeah. Um, you sometimes struggle with the sheer range of stratagems that are available to any one army. Whereas with these guys, like there are seven generic stratagems that, that, that each force will have. Uh-huh. And then there are three extra ones that you get depending on which commander you take. And each commander has their own set. And they double up, don't they? So and then you have two yeah. sets of each card. Yeah. So you only ever have to remember ten. Oh God! What? How many? Yeah. And we are into double digits. But you're, but you're only using three at a time. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like you have you don't have them all to hand. You you have to draw at the end of each turn. So you always have to have a hand of at least three by the you know, when you draw. So unless you're sitting on one of the other tactical objectives that said that you can only draw two. Can only draw up to two. Yeah, but it's yeah. I mean. I you know I was I was saying to Tony like you know I I struggle to get a game system and feel confident with it after one game, after one game I felt like I could have a decent game of that any time, like you you, what, you know once you've got it you've got it and it's pretty self explanatory, and I've been like building lists now around what I think is a really fun way to play which is using panic. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting. That's where, the Bolton come that's where the Boltons come in, yeah. Which is why I think I need some Nightwatch. Yeah. What, because they're they, less... They don't get scared. They no. don't get scared. But even when got... someone's like, you know, shaking a skinned body at them and going, Ooh, look, this could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, this could happen to you, John Snow. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was there. Yeah. I just got. I, I, I just felt. Yeah. I got caught up in the moment. To be honest, that's just uh, that's amazing. It's terrifying, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I just love the. <laughs> I'm gonna do this to you. Know? I'm gonna take a cook you like a Greg's pasty. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Rob, I think you should get on on it, and I'll give it a go for sure. Yeah. I want to know if you can kill each other's um, personalities. No, well, they're the non the non combat units are off the board. I think I think the key part. Then how of did that, Rob Stark die? Rob Stark was, was on the a board. combat unit because uh, you've got char- characters that can be non combat and combat units. What about Tyrion? Non combat, but there is a, there is a combat version of him coming. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, I don't know what he he'll be half able to do. Half man, half. Well, yeah, he's, he's, because <laughs> it's interesting because on the cards they have um, say like you know Roose Bolt and the Leech Lord underneath. And for Tyrion, there's the, for this version of Tyrion that is the non-combat unit, he's just called Tyrion, and then uh, underneath he's called the Imp. But in the new one, he's called Tyrion, the Half-Man, yeah. the Giant of Lannister. Yeah. So yeah, so they um, they definitely play up to the the whole Game of Thrones world, and which is absolutely brilliant the way they do it. And I and I think it's also <clears throat> worth mentioning, like uh, as much as I joked about not really being interested in Game of Thrones. Mm. Like you Jokes. don't, you don't. I'm not. I mean, the, 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 the you know, uh, you the story. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm not joking that I'm not interested <laughs> yeah. in Game of Thrones. Uh, the story just didn't draw me in anymore. But you don't need to know what's going on. I'm yeah. chatting to Steve about this. Um, you don't need to know the world of Game of Thrones to really get this game. No, you don't. They can be any. They could be any. You know, fantasy, fantasy characters. Uh, fulfilling their role 
Uh, yeah. Know, it, it happens to sit within Game of Thrones, but uh, and for those fans of Game of Thrones, like they'll be recognisable and you know there'll be reasons why those cards do certain things. But if you're not a fan of Game of Thrones, it doesn't detract from what is a really clever game. Yeah. Simple, simple rules with some clever mechanics. Mm. Yeah. No, that sounds I, I cool. agree. Completely. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And you're getting more in. Apparently. Yeah, I am getting it more in. Yeah, for sure. Oh, what's available at the moment? So you've got Starks. You've got Starks, the Lannisters. You've got the... in Well, towards the end of July, we're going to have the Free Folk and Night's Watch right. start sets. But you might not have the Night's Watch starter set. Might not, well, unless I can get another one in. Well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll get them. Um, there's also a load of other um, like extra unit boxes that you can get. And additional hero boxes as well so there's different stark heroes you can get there's different lannister heroes you can get i've picked up the neutral heroes so that's got the bolton uh, roose bolton ramsey bolton uh ramsey snow it's got reek in there paul reek oh yeah so he can basically oh yeah well these interesting he's basically like a poor tortured thing on Greyjoy, but he yeah he can he can basically throw a panic token on a unit um just because he can He'll put a panic token on a unit. And I basically just got a roll. If I roll a five or a six, he gets taken off the board and replaced with a normal model. Otherwise, he gets to stay there and do it again. So I can basically stack panic tokens on people using him. So, which is the Great. plan. Yeah, you watch it not work when I try it, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason the paint? You were yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been using like, a mixture of the contrast paints and normal layer paints just to do other bits and pieces on them, like the armours and things. But, yeah, I mean, well, for... For the record, Reek, the model for Reek is just literally like a skinny man with a bit of rag around him. Right. And it took me practically all... Practically placed rags? Pla- practically placed rags. Although there's not much to hide. There's not much. There's nothing there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but I, uh, it took me... I think it's probably the quickest model I've ever painted. It took me uh, about 10 minutes. Oh, it, was, well, it, spent, it spent more time drying than it did me actually painting it. I'm going to have to have a look at this after the podcast yeah, yeah. and check it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is, he is essentially a throwaway unit as well, so don't expect, like, Golden Demon level painting, but, yeah, it's about <laughs> 10 minutes it took. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you want to add anything more about it? I mean, I think Rob's in. I think we're going to get Rob in this. I, I'll give it a go. Yeah. I'm sold. Uh and uh, and you were saying like you thought I might be probably one of the harder people to well yeah because well I I actually thought getting over the hump of this is Game of Thrones was going to be the biggest thing like the biggest block for you but yeah I think the game stands on its own two feet anyway doesn't it so yeah absolutely um I, I you know like I say the story fine take it or leave it the game it's just nice to have a really clever mechanic mm. um I missed. Um, the whole uh, regiments of um, I don't know why I'm gesticulating again <laughs> uh, like the you know the whole uh, units of like rank and file yeah uh, and wheeling those around um, I think it's I, I lost I, I, interest yeah. in Age of Sigmar I think the um, manoeuvrability but... of those I think that the difference between say like a Warhammer fantasy rule set where I always felt that you had these big units these big blocks but they were really unwieldy and like you couldn't, I never felt like I had much sort of a say in where those units could go, as a, apart from sort of straightforward. And then there was a, obviously you'd have a few units that you could sort of manoeuvre around a little bit, but not to the same level that I think you can in, in Game of Thrones. Because, you know, th- having that 
measuring the, you know, before when you have to measure the pivot distance and things like that, whereas this, you can just basically pivot. Yeah, where you pivot you on the spot yeah. and then you move. That's rife for inaccuracy as well, isn't it? Yeah. It just causes arguments and... I mean, it, uh, to be fair, even the pivoting on the spot is rife for inaccuracy as well. Like, it's always yeah. going to be. But um, I think this goes back to the whole, you know, sportsmanly play. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, you try and pivot on the spot. Yeah, that's all cool. Until the until the uh, the charge move, for example, requires you to be, like, degree perfect. Before, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, if you engage me at 45 degrees onto my regiment, then this is, like, a major impact on the rules. But you had to say execute a fifty-five degree turn to get you there, like you know the the yeah, opportunity yeah. for stealing that ten degrees and then ha- it having a major impact on the rules. I'm just you know blue yeah. skying with what I'm, but you, I think you see what I'm trying to. But start. I think, I think yeah. that was that was the other thing we found when we were playing Game of Thrones that actually we were almost making it harder than what it is in the rules. It actually says you can turn to face when you're about to charge. Okay. So as long as, long as you turn and on the the movement trays you have these very clear lines that show the front arc the back arc and all that so there's really like it's, it's quite like streamlined how they do it and you just charge it you charge you can you can have like 50 percent facing or you if you want to get another unit in or you can move them in to be 100 percent facing so yeah i just think it made it really quick this is you know if i, if I look at game systems that i haven't enjoyed over the years it very often comes down to the movement because uh, it's like too much time is spent on this on the movement whatever and then it's too hard because it's trying to be too accurate or it's taken up too much of the game there was this game system that you had before Tony it was the um, it was like the near future the Mercs. Mercs. Mercs and you had to use these cards to as like little measurement devices yeah. in my view but it, it sounds like it would be okay because you've got like a proper thing but really it, it wasn't it was very very tough to move things around and it chewed up too much time it was too complicated i think you need like a uh, a very easy movement system that's like kind of unambiguous you know what i mean you know even as much as like i think the running in 40k is a bit silly that you have to roll the dice um well maybe i'm being unfair but uh, you know but um you know any time where it's open to were you, were you stung at some license, point by having to roll you sound, you, sound like a, you sound like a man spurned by the uh, rolling to advance. No, actually, no, what it was maybe more so, it was um, previously when you had to move through, ter- through terrain. Sorry, forgive me. There used to be a situation where you ha- if you moved through terrain, you had to roll a dice, didn't you? It depends what type of terrain, though, doesn't it? A difficult terrain or whatever. Yeah. I don't think that's still the case, is it? Uh, so, so you still have to roll a dice for when you're running. Yes. I think maybe there was a previous edition where if you just wanted to move through terrain... Yes, like it mm. became it became That's a random distance. Yes, um, and certainly you know that that could be painful. But I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, I mean, I th- but I think it's always going to be a problem in any tabletop game mm. where where you have to measure things out. A degree of inaccuracy will always creep in, and then it becomes really hard when something is half an inch out to go. Well, I mean, half an inch out, you've moved. 24 inches you've turned the facing of the model so picked it up and put it down uh my guys moved a few you know my and, and you know and now we're now we're quibbling over the sake sake of half yeah. an inch yeah yeah it uh, bugs me which is why to a certain extent i quite like the newer this sounds good but if, yeah. when you've got terminology in your rule book which is like turn turn the unit to face the enemy 
that's that's kind of cool. And then all you need perhaps is just a clarification. Say like, oh, you know, you can hold one hold one front corner still, for example, with your Mercedes. Or, you hold, weeks, the you or hold the middle. Yeah. Or hold the middle. And there is even oh, and there's, there's a point. Well, there's a, there's a pivot point, and there's also a, an arrow on the front of the movement trays, which is basically where you measure your charge distance and your fo- shooting distance. All of that sounds excellent to me. Because it's clear, right? So anytime you're pivoting, you can pivot as much as you like, according to the rules. You pivot from the center, perfect. You can't go wrong. So you can pin it there and turn it. And then you can even pre-measure, can't you? Very exactly between big bases. This is the other thing. If you've got like a big square base with your regiment on mm. and your opponent has a big square base, you can both get in there with a the tape, look at the front of the base, the front of the base or whatever. And everyone is very, very clear about movement requirements. But when you're moving individual models as a unit, for example, like say 40k, it can all get a little bit. Yeah, pinch an inch, man. Yeah, yeah. It's too easy. But again, again, I think it comes down to who you're playing, though, doesn't it? I mean, if you're playing people that are going to be real sticklers for playing somebody like Rob, you've got to be really careful. (laughs) Watch those half inches creeping. If anything, I'd say the cult movement. There's a a reason he doesn't like this whole random distance anymore. I under-egg it, if anything. (laughs) I move my guys too slowly. But, you know, if you play competition, um, you know, how much... And then if you call people out and stuff, how much of a... You know what I mean? It's like, it's tricky, because, say... I suppose it depends on the competition, though. Because, like... I mean, if it's a tournament, Mm -hmm. then everything has to be bang on, I think. Because that's the only way to keep it fair. You have to be... As right stickler for it. If you're just playing like casually, just cut the mates or something, it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, it doesn't, as long as I win. I think the opportunity for people to pick, you know, I've been to a couple of tournaments, right? And, and you know, how can I put this delicately? People cheat! <laughs> <laughs> that, that seemed pretty delicate. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's as delicate as Rob could put it. Geeks! Used far nasty words in the past. <laughs> Geeks in Nottingham cheat. I've said it first hand, man. They'll cheat by they'll pinch the inch. I'm sure they use hooky dice. Dice that always roll fours. Oh, like my, sh- my, my dice. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 your bouncy dice always roll ones and twos. It's ones and twos, yeah. Well, you know, one day I'll need them. Yeah. Yeah, so like war game that says based on hexes, I like this. Because you okay, maybe you feel like you get a bit of freedom of movement, but what you're doing is uh, you're really levelling the, the playing field, so to speak, as far as movement's concerned. You can't pinch. Maybe you could pinch a he- pinch a hex if your opponent's not paying as much attention. But it's much easier to regulate it because you're actually sitting in a proper movement framework. It's a bit like Dead Zone, then, isn't it? Because Dead Zone uses cubes. You, you move cubes. You move cubes. Yeah. Well, b- blocks. It's like a square. It's just it's, you play it on a grid. Essentially, yeah, two D two D cubes. Those two D cubes, they're called squares. You know what I meant. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd, it'd be interesting to see maybe if anyone's got any comments on this that's listening. You know, as to whether you have the same frustrations as I'm trying to describe when it comes to movement, and you feel like you want a bit more, uh, bit for it to be a bit more deterministic, a bit more regularity, and more easily policed. Because I'm not saying everyone out there is a cheat, but you know, like, but, I mean, it I mean, that abused. It, it is kind of what you just said, though. <laughs> 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 yeah. I just said cheats at Warhammer World exist. Is that so controversial? <laughs> Only when we go up there. I even played against a guy one time, and he was playing this Imperial Guard army, and he got out these very nice looking dice, and he's like, he's rubbing his dice together in his hands, he's going, a lot of people, you know, has been known for them to bring weighted dice to these competitions, so I'm using these ones. You're free to use them during this game if you wish. And I was like, oh, that's really kind of you. Thanks very much. And every time I went to reach to use his set of dice during the course of that game, he like hoarded them up and pulled them away. 
So he told me one thing, but actually, like, went through, you know, completely different behaviour. I thought it was very I find weird. that astonishing that people would take weighted dice. I really do. He, uh, this guy, he was quick to tell me when we sat down for our game that it's like, it's happened in the past. I was like, you know, a tournament novice. I am a tournament novice, but I think it was the first time I'd ever been to one. Then you look back and you think to yourself, hold on a minute, told me a story about weighted dice. Wouldn't actually let me use his dice despite the fact that he said, like, I could. And then we called him and out on it and he ate them. <laughs> 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 but wanting to get to the bottom of the truth, I followed him around for three days, <laughs> collecting samples and <laughs> so I could test them. I got him in the drawing room later to accuse him. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right, well, okay, well, we'll move on. Go on, crowbar us back onto the list. I'm trying to. I, I've had no decent segues this time around. I had, I had three really good segues last time. I, I thought they were really good. Um, but this time I haven't got... But basically the next thing I wanted to talk about came from a conversation that I had with a customer. And basically in the shop, just for you guys who are listening, so what I do in the shop is every now and again I'll take some pictures for the website and for the Facebook page. And before I, I take any pictures, I always ask everyone if they're happy with me taking the pictures for the website and the Facebook page. Nine times out of ten, everyone's really happy with it. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. That's, that's, that's absolutely fine. Every now and again, I'll get someone say, oh, no, not if it's going up on Facebook. And it's not normally for, like, you know, date protection or anything like that. It's normally because these people are secret hobbyists or closet hobbyists. Closet, cl- closet, closet hobbyists, yeah. And I wanted to ask you two if you've ever come across this before. And before we've done, I've got another sort of anecdote from someone who basically he got outed as a hobbyist um, when at his uni house he had a whole stack of uh, White Dwarf magazines that he used to hide under his bed. Behind the porn. But, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know where he kept his porn. <laughs> I, I didn't get that far. I was astonished that this I was, was more excited by the White this Dwarf was, magazines. The White Dwarf magazines, they, they were in the position where you would expect to have porn, right? They were actually it, disguised by They were disguised by really Playboys. Yeah, yeah. But like, what happened was, <laughs> he, he was, he, he'd, taken, he'd taken a copy of, of, of said White Dwarf, yeah. flicking through it, and he left it in his living room, in his uni house, that he was sharing. Fool of a dog. Yeah, right? Someone picked it up and we're like, oh, well, who's, who's this? And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And he claimed to have no knowledge of what the magazine was, what was in it, or anything like that. But then, like, basically, they threw it away. He went through the bin to get it back. And when they was going through the bin, they caught him going through the bin. And then he had to sort of come out. It was like, okay, fine, I'm a hobbyist. And out, he had out to... And proud. And then, now he's out and proud and, you know, he... Yeah, he's happy. I mean, about it. I think what, did no one else in the room say at that moment? Did they not come out as well? Because normally, no, no, apparently, 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 it was just him. But and I mean, when I had it, when I when I um, I started advertising, I, I started telling people that I was going to be opening the shop. That the amount of people who I've known for years go, I had no idea. I had no idea you you did any of that sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do it too. <laughs> and, uh, and they treat they treat it like we a don't really, tell anybody. Yeah, yeah, please, please don't tell it. Don't tell my wife. And they treat it like a really weird like addiction that they just don't want anyone to know. It's hilarious. So, I, so I touched on uh, on an anecdote before we started this. So, I I went on a date last year, and um, she was really curious to know what it was I kept on getting up to on Sunday evenings, and I wasn't. I don't know, I wasn't sure at the time I wanted to tell somebody straight away the depths of my geekiness. 
Um, so it came out on this on this first day. We we got towards the end of the day, and uh, and and I told her about what it was I did, and and she sort of listened to me for a little bit, and I I kind of trying to get a bit more animated about what it was I did, and all the little plastic man dollies, and and all this like. And there was a pause. She says, "But, but you're a grown up." <laughs> <laughs> And I realised at that point that this relationship was not. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, I think she also realised at this point that yeah. that relationship was not going to work. But uh, yeah, which is, I, I find it so strange because if you tell someone, "Oh, look, I I play computer games," then that seems far more acceptable. But in my view, doing either any sort of well any sort of tabletop game, uh, war game in miniatures that sort of hobby board side games. of the board game that's much more social much more creative than anything you could do just playing an Xbox like I have to agree it is isn't well, it well we we spoke about this. did we speak about this in the last podcast or have we just spoken about this but so so back when um, we you know back, back when we were sort of teenagers many many moons ago um, playing a computer game Together, a multiplayer computer mm. game, Goldeneye, N64. Yeah. Four people, four controllers, in your mate's living room, with a big telly, faces pressed up against it in your quarter. Yeah. Like, your multiplayer was four people in yeah. the room together. Or eight people swapping handsets around. Yeah. It was a social experience. Yeah. Mm. As, the, as the internet has become more prevalent, you know, we, we were you know, fortunate enough to sort of see the internet grow from something that, you know dial-up modems and onwards um gaming computer gaming has moved from the lounge to the bedroom study whatever yeah but but you do it on your own with a headset on still technically sociable you know i played a lot of um world of warcraft um still technically sociable but on your own yeah and um, it was at that point that I, you know, I stopped playing quite so many computer games and started moving uh, tabletop stuff again. Because, yeah. Because I, I, I value sitting around the table with a bunch of friends and Rob. <laughs> okay, well, how about this, right? So what's... This is a really, really interesting conversation. It's just really getting my, my grey matter thinking. What's dangerous. The, what's geekier, right? Playing, say, Warhammer... Elves, goblins, and that sort of thing, right? Or painting up those six mil British infantry regiments and doing a complete, like, perfect recreation of um, the battle of, uh, say, Balaclava or whatever, you know, um, uh, Russia. Well, uh, you know, on the scale some, of geekiness. Well, there was, there, there was a charity event not too long ago where um, a load of historical war gamers um, recreated the Battle of Waterloo to scale in a church hall. Yes. Um, and that looked really amazing. It does look amazing. I'm not got anything but, against it. But, but I'm just like, you know, what, what, what has more of a stigma? Miniatures, for sure. You mean the miniature soldiers? Yeah, I, th- I think any, well, any miniatures. I think if you say you paint miniatures... Then... I'm, just, well, I'm just wondering because it's like, you know... Uh, the point I was trying to make was uh, a lot of those guys are big history fans. The people that go and do the Waterloo recreation mm. in Six Mill, you know, in a church hall and get everything down to, like, the trees and the regiment colours and everything, okay? They're history buffs. Yeah. But they're, you know, but they get the kind of, um, uh, like, the, uh, the the tag of um, Anorak 
Yeah. You know, more so. I wouldn't say that the average 40k player is an anorak. No. Well, not the average one, no. 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 I wouldn't, no. But it doesn't preclude you from being one. No, but, exactly. Um, but but I, think, I think that's the same with any... With, see, because I, I think you can get anoraks in computer gaming as well. Like, any sort of hobby, it, it leaves it open for anoraks. You're going to get anoraks. i tell you what I think it might that's be. That's a good point, man. I think what it might be is the level of detail, the level of effort that you want to put into your hobby, mm. maybe. Mm. Because I think um, for most people, even, even for people like us, where wargaming and tabletop gaming is kind of important to us, and, and we, we, you know, we'll openly speak about it, it's still a casual thing. I mean, I know it's a, it's a, it's a primary source of income for somebody around the table. Well, yeah, that'd be <laughs> but, 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 but gaming is kind of a casual thing, whereas when you're recreating the Battle of Waterloo, that is a real labour of love. Yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you really have to invest a lot of time and effort. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve Little, I remember telling me about the amount of time he spent painting up rank after rank after rank of... Uh, miniature soldier in order to sort of mm. take part in some of these some of these things and and maybe uh, it's the same with anything like if you those people that tend to pour all of their time and effort into it are what you might start to define as that's uh, approaching anorak that's a brilliant yeah. observation tone so a bit like anything in life if you take it ad extremis it can just it can become you know it's too much yeah if you spend 20 hours a week painting six mil soldiers. If you spent 20 hours a week painting 40k, maybe you're... <laughs> we don't want to be yeah, like, you know, yeah, you're not saying you're not doing enough. It's the same with anything. Like, if you spent 20 hours a week on the computer, yes. that'd be too much. Yeah. You know, like, but it, I just think that there's, there seems to be less of a stigma attached to computer gaming than there is with the miniatures gaming, or like, you know, not taking into account... The, the social bit. I mean, me, us, us three met through tabletop gaming. Totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's how we met. Uh, we wouldn't have met through, you know, I mean, the amount of people that, like I say, are multiplayer gaming on, online now is, is basically just people just chucking insults at each other. And I can say, honestly yeah. say that I've never played uh, online gaming uh, with the headset or anything. Yeah, I've, I've never yeah. been exposed to the trolling. I've kind of seen and heard it on like YouTube clips and what have you. But is it really like that then? You do find groups of island of tranquility uh, in there, don't you? Well, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose <laughs> Ben's not convinced. I'm not. No, I don't think I, you don't. I'm not. I'm not. Like, like I say, like, I, I think you know. If you if you already, but I, I I think if you're going on there and you're playing with people you already know, that's not going to happen as much. But like, I, I just I just think it's it's not. It's an illusion of a social activity. Yeah. It's not really social. Like you you're not actually interacting with that person. There's. You know, there's a character in front of you. You know, you're not there. You know, I think you have to be there. I got a really good, good sort of point about this. So uh, years and years ago, back when we were at school, uh, we played a computer game called Planetarian, and it was a sort of resource building thing. And you had an alliance, and a friend of ours, Damien, who mm. played a lot of Planetarian, got himself in with a guild, and he uh, got quite friendly with a few players. Lars, Ash. Is that where um, it all started out? That's where it all started out. And uh, I'd like where, where it all started mm. um, These are people who Damien met through uh, online gaming. Yeah. Who ultimately agreed to meet up. 
um, and a few of them came down to Tunbridge. Uh, we all, you know, had a few beers. We ended up friends on Facebook. The next thing we know, some of these guys, Ash, starts playing 40k, and before we know it, he's regularly taking part. Crossy's regularly taking part. Um, it can bring yeah gamers, but it wasn't until we started playing 40k until we we all openly came out and proud yeah yeah as 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 um tabletop gamers that we started seeing people like ash on a regular basis i say regular you know once every few months yeah i don't know why it has the stigma that you're describing i know exactly what you mean i don't know if it's because it's orcs and elves and because it's fantasy a lot of the time that might have something to do with it is it because you know they they are like you know little toys or whatever and people associate that with you know with, uh, with growing with, up with kids whatever mm. it's it's a tricky one I mean you think about when we stopped openly saying we were gamers and it's probably around about seventeen eighteen we are you know I, I, I imagine this is probably true for a lot of people yeah like when you're about seventeen eighteen and you're really starting to grow up yeah. Uh, and start thinking of yourself as an adult and 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 starting to think about how you want to portray yourself to the world and you're con- and you i think i think when you're about that sort of age you're more concerned about what other people think of you mm. yeah um, i think so and it's at that stage that you start thinking well this is something i've done since i was little it's kind of a childish thing to do um i don't necessarily want everybody to know that i do that i still i'm still interested in this childish thing so i should put these childish things behind me um, and it wasn't until a few years later, sort of mid twenties, I think, when we started openly Claiming. talking about it. Again. That's true. And even mm. then, it wasn't sort of openly. It was a few years before we were sort of open to the fact that we played these games to you know to the to the whole public. Like you know, within our friends group, we'd still open yeah. to each other. But um, I think it takes a certain level of maturity to not be too worried about what other people think yeah I mean yeah, it's, it's funny sex so I've even had people come into the shop and they'll go oh yeah this is for nerds isn't it and it's like well yeah of course it is it's great nothing wrong with being a nerd yeah it's actually like really really popular <laughs> so yeah but it's, it's, it's this weird weird stigma that the computer games don't they seem to get away with it and, I, and it seems to me that they seem to get away with it because there isn't the sort of building and painting element. It seems to be this building and painting of miniatures that seems to give the the super nerd tag to tabletop gamers yeah, that but, computer gamers don't get. Yeah, but you're totally right, man. Because that it should be the opposite one. Yeah. Because all you're doing is putting a disc in a machine and turning it on. Yeah. And sitting on a couch, right? Because even when you're building and painting, you, you, you're, you're doing something that's much creative. more creative, yeah. Yeah. much more practical, much more worthwhile. Yeah. Say about say you know I'm just talking comparatively because you know yeah, a, yeah. you could be learning a foreign language or or yeah, like, well, I don't know benching up two hundred pounds or whatever right? you know so which you might I don't, you know. I don't think benching two pounds hundred pounds would be considered creative <laughs> no but, <I> don't know. <laughs> but maybe there's a whole bunch of other surrogate activities you could be participating in but actually like building something that has some worth yeah because once you turn the electronic device off you've just all you've got is dead time with nothing yeah, to show for it that's it only the things that went on inside your head yeah. And in the in the virtual reality of the game, so you're right. So actually, you know, it should be much should more be highly lauded. Yeah, I don't understand it, but yeah, I just thought it was an interesting 
It is. Things Going back to the, my GW experiences, the same time at that tournament, I actually met a guy, he was an Imperial Guard player, and he was a policeman from Nottinghamshire. And he said that I used to play when I was a teenager, dropped the game for like 20 years, and recently got back into it again. Yeah. And there's people that uh, you know, do this as well. So Yeah, well, well once, you, once you started, you never quit. It's like being an alcoholic. Yeah. You're you always an alcoholic. You never Just quit. like I haven't had a drink for six years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're always, you know, like a war gamer. Well, just it, like I haven't picked up an elf in anger I, I since got, um, 2001. I get I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I get sent I get sent messages from from people like all the time. Like they say, like, how can you live with yourself? And it will be they have the um the, there's like a meme of uh, a shop owner. And uh, the, guy, the customer comes up to the counter and he goes, oh, I bought those three models you recommended. And the guy goes, oh, that's great. Well done. And he goes, yeah, I just need to grab some paints. And he grabs his paints, walks off. And then the shop owner goes into a back room and it just says, lives ruined. And he's got a tally. <laughs> Stop indoctrinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we, jo- we joke about, um, you know, get your kids into 40K. Because, by the, you know, if you can get them really interested and they can see enough sort of, uh, grown-up role mm. models that are still interested in it, then by the time they're sort of 16, 17 and starting to think about drugs and alcohol, they won't have any money left because they're still buying <laughs> 40k models. Yeah, that's the drug. Plastic crack. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I've, I've always found it like there's weird things that seem to be acceptable and then really innocent stuff that's quite creative and interesting to do that seemed to be something you've got to hide and not put away somewhere and it just seems odd just seems really odd that that someone would hide their white dwarf magazines with the porn (laughs) do you know what i mean it's so, not. So, it's not. It's, we just. It's just alleged that it was. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming. I'm just assuming that he had a pile of that under there as well. So, so from the from, to, to to wrap this up, do are we saying we need to start some sort of geek pride? Absolutely. So yeah. So like we did last week. Last week. The other week. It, if you get to the end of this, you have got to say Stark. Well, this time round, we're going to say Pride. Geek, geek, pride. geek pride. Hashtag geek, geek pride. Geek pride. We'll get it. We'll get it trending. Okay. We can have a whole month to ourselves before we know what's happening. <laughs> we are yeah. an oppressed minority, and we need geek, recognition. Geek pride. Uh, yeah, we say so we have a little, have a little parade. Yeah, and... Not to diminish any of the other. No, no, no. Like, you know, we'll we'll have our own. We we'll just do it on Hollybush Lane. We we'll have the uh, <laughs> have the parade down Hollybush Lane. Amazing. We'll yeah. just get some of the kids out there. We'll cosplay. Yeah, yeah, Cosplay, roll some dice. They're on the roads. We'll need a flag. What's our flag going to be? A couple of dice. <laughs> a couple of dice. A couple of dice. Double sixes, obviously. Don't want double ones. Well, not like the back of Tony's new shirt. Double ones. <laughs> I was like, 11? Yeah. What's uh-huh. that got to do with anything? No, uh, Rob, two ones. Well, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, obviously talking about our games and stuff. The, the last time we were on, uh, we were talking about the Bunker Assault. Nice. And I said that I was going to have, have a go at it. You and did. it went really well. For me. For you. Um, my best laid plans didn't go to plan. And my dice let me down. You're, ba- you're blaming the bouncy I'm dice again. I'm blaming the bouncy dice. So, again, this was the uh, Bunker Assault, which you can see on the Goblin Athenium YouTube channel. Yeah. You, I think, were number g- game four of this. 
that's been published, right? Yep, I think so, yeah. And Tony was the defender using the Imperial Guard, and you were attacking with your Gene Steeler Cult. Yeah. Just to frame this for everyone yeah. that's listening. Yeah. And um, now, now, stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> Go, Go and watch the, the video. Link, watch the video. It's over pretty quickly, and then come back and listen to the rest of <laughs> Well, see, yeah, I mean, my, my plan was to get to the bunker as quickly as possible, which I think we can all agree I did. Oh, yeah, uh, objective one complete. Yeah. For your part, definitely. The yeah. second objective <laughs> was basically to say hello. Which you did. Which I did, and then leave. <laughs> which you didn't do. Which you didn't do. We well, did. I uh, left, but Just in body in a bags. Cardboard box. Yeah. Um, no, basically, I, I, I got to the bunker, but then had nothing to really. You right, had some true. pretty pants rolling, man. Yeah, that's why I blame the dice. Yeah, because there was the exterminator thing. Do you remember that? The like the flamer on the buggy? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, which, which would have been decent. I think it would have made at least a dent. You re-rolled that at one stage there, because you rolled a one for the number of yeah, hits, and then you rolled a six, I, but then I you still felt all your wounds, the, the first, for example. The, the first round, like the first rolling I did... I think had that gone better, I don't yeah. think I would have necessarily taken the bunker, but I would have done. I would think it would have been, been, yeah. Because I would I say that you, those the dice roll. Looking back, I haven't run the numbers on it, but you, I, you probably underperformed on the dice rolls statistically yeah. by like half again. So maybe you know you probably you'd had twenty five percent the amount of I mean, luck yeah. that you should have had. I mean, Tony, Tony's shaking his head here. I know, I, I know, I wouldn't have taken the bunker. I didn't have. I, I think more bodies would have done it, but I, I took the the bikers instead. But I think I had to make a dent and I didn't make a dent. Tony's disagreeing because what, you used like stratagem? No, no. So, well, yeah, that helped. But um, crucially, your army, Ben, lacked high AP weaponry at range. Yeah. And uh, what it, you know, if you've got AP dash weaponry, then trying to root a guardsman out of cover, he's going to save half his wounds. Yeah, he's got four up armor. Say five up armor, four up in cover. Mm. If I play a stratagem that goes to three up, which is what I did in the first. Yeah, turn. he did. Yeah. Um, oh, so that's why he's only getting a third of the. He's success only getting a third because, of the success because uh, I'm saving. Because you're saving two thirds of them. Yeah. When you look and at I rolled the, really badly, and you rolled. <laughs> <really> badly. <laughs> but even but 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 even then, like even if you'd rolled particularly well, I still don't think you would have caused that many more casualties. No, like like, like I say, time. I think I would have made a, a dent. But I don't think I would have taken the bunker. But the point that you made a dent was once you got into combat yeah. and you negated that armour save, yeah. that, that cover save. And suddenly I'm saving only a third of the time. Uh, when you look at um, the one that I did the, with, with the Death Watch, one of the reasons I killed as many as I did was because the weaponry I was taking mm. was designed to be negating the armour of the Guardsmen as much as possible and the cover of the Guardsmen as yeah. well. The only way the only way your army had to do that was with was in combat yeah. rather than rather than shooting. But then, so, so I think the tactic was right to rush the table. But this is why I certainly said in the sort of roundup yeah. at the end of the video, like I think you might have done better to focus less on shooting, um, and just more and, and more bodies that could have. But I, I, I suppose I suppose my my concern was taking too many turns to get there, and they're just going to be taking tons of shooting. That's where I went wrong. Yeah, yeah. but man. I tell you, you deployed those blips, right? And then you got to deploy within six inches of them, and then you got to move. Yeah. So even your squad of foot sloggers were within charge range for turn two, which is out and out far, far away from the performance yeah. of any other army yet. I think even the Eldar, when they played in a previous video, 
I don't think Duncan really got into charge range until the fourth turn. Yeah. Normally, focus spending at least three turns traversing the distance, and then they get to assault. Whereas you were there, like with the opportunity to do it in turn two. Yeah. Well, maybe you ended up doing it in turn three. I think it was. I think it was was like turn three. Yeah. Okay. But you're like even even so, this one extra turn is making a big difference. Yeah. But what I'll do is I'll put the I'll put the link for the video in this in this podcast, so if people want to check it out, they can, uh, and then we can find out about it. Um, And then the last thing. I think we've got here, yeah, is the painting competition that's coming up at the Grumpy Pony. This is a brilliant idea. So basically, the way it's going to work is I'm going to set a theme, and the theme is tactical, and you can interpret it however you like, and it is just basically designed for you to be as creative as you want about it, and make whatever you want. Rob's got a cheesy grip. I want to know what Rob's Rob thinking. No, do a tactical marine. Uh, He is very tactical. That is my tactical edge to my painting. Tactical marine. I mean, you could, yeah. You could. One of the old ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Well, let, let Ben finish. No, Go no, I, I, that was it. Like, so, yeah, so basically it's just an idea, like, you know, people can be as creative as they want with it. I think Rob, I'd probably, if you, you could stick you in the veterans category. <laughs> to- <laughs> Tony, I'm going to stick very clearly in the beginners. Honestly, please don't put me in the veterans category. <laughs> not unless this is like, I don't know, some special bus that I have to come in on or something. With, I don't know, but it's, yeah. Uh, it should, no, but there's not going to be categories, right? It's just going to be open. Well, no, so basically, because there's a few p- people that can paint and can really paint. So I've put a veterans ca- category out for them. Ah. So, so they can, um, they can all compete against each other. So there's a few, few guys that are almost sort of like pro level painters so I don't think it would be dude how, how I'm it? totally not in that so, uh, so yeah so, so the whole idea of doing the beginners and veterans was that so like you guys could still compete oh right so yeah and so, us mortal people yeah, yeah. get a prize yeah so yeah that's what the, it is the, the slightly better than a participation award so about well then I guess you're going to have to give people the, the opportunity or the personal choice as to whether they want to just go in the normal category or the vets yeah I, I think it will depend on their experience painting though like because someone could come to me and go oh I really want to be in the beginners group but actually but I know that they're really good so, so a bit of your discretion is going yeah, to I think well. they have to be within reason. When they pull out this beautiful yeah, yeah, painted, like, like oh, I'm going to go in the beginners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to the vets camp. I think you'll be able to tell when you look at the models. Like this one looks like it was painted by a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tony, you're definitely <laughs> in, in, in the beginners phase. I tell you, um, what, what, I, what I found really interesting with it, like, is I, I put the put the event up on the Facebook page today. And within about 10 minutes of it going up, I had five people contacting me about it straight away. Like, it's just something that some people are just much more excited about. You know, like, they just want to just show off their miniatures and, and do all that. And I, th- I think it's really nice to see, get that, get that sort of instant sort of feedback. And uh, sort of leading on what we were saying earlier about these secret hobbyists. Like there's these guys that are like, oh, yeah, no, no, not only do I want you to take a picture, I want you to take a picture of something that I've painted and show it off on the Facebook page as Just well. Just don't put my face Just don't anywhere put... near the model. If you could blur my face, maybe. Or something. Yeah, I'll use a pseudonym. Yeah. I have actually won a... Well, I didn't win it, but I got a... I can't remember if it was like a commendation or something, but I... In a painting competition. When I was about 11. He's a veteran. You've got to be a veteran, a veteran then, surely. He's won a competition. Yeah. And like anybody, uh, I will say this right now, anybody that's won any competitions for painting is immediately entered into the veteran. I think that counts as a veteran. It's like asking someone to come and play a game of cricket on a Sunday and you say to them, are you any good now? Oh, I'll play a bit. 
and then they go out and they hit 130 and take three hits. Can't just be a ringer. Yeah, I'll paint a bit. Oh no, but you know, this is really gonna get the competitive juices of some of our pals going. Yeah. Because um, I know, you, you know, individuals like uh, Mark, uh, our mate Mark. Well, I know because he liked that post straight away. I know really? he said, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did, he, yeah. Actually, I, I thought he might have done because I know he will go and like, okay, he'll just write off. You know, we're saying don't spend twenty hours a week doing something. <laughs> <Yeah>. too, Mark. <laughs> Mark, we're talking to you. If you're still listening. It's good, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. We, the, 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 you know, the, you've got something to show for it at the end of the twenty hours. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. and into this he poured all of his hate and malice <laughs> <laughs> Sauron was just a hobbyist <laughs> making rings tactical though man this, that's yeah tactical got to make it themed I think well um, yeah I mean you, you can you can just paint a tactical maroon if you want to or you can use, like use that running away yeah tactically. yeah or you can use whatever your whatever your interpretation of the theme tactical is you can go for it so yeah It'll be interesting mm. to see what people come up with. Because each, mm. each time I do it, it's going to be a different, slightly different theme, but it's just going to be like a one-word thing where people can interpret it how they want. And are we going to take pictures of our own model once they're done, or are you going to bring them together? People, well, they're basically on the... So a month from now, um, people are going to bring them in. Mm-hmm. We'll take pictures of them. They're going to be on display on the table over there mm-hmm. so people can have a look. And it also give, gives people a chance who can't... Well, who aren't voting on the Facebook page to vote in store as well so there'll be little voting slips in store as well so people can vote and then they can uh, get their votes in they'll be counted up and then the following week we'll announce the winners and then give the prizes out and stuff yeah so can you tell us about the the sexy prizes well they're 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 small prizes free drink and a painting set for the two different categories so so if you paint like a four-year-old yep I can get a but free you drink. Do like a good but I do a good. But I paint. But I paint like. But I paint as if I was maybe a five-year-old. Um, then, then I can get a free drink. Uh, but if you're particularly good at it, then you should sign you can the get base. Some extra paints. T Kane, thirty-six and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> there's some other little bits and pieces that I might throw in. It depends how many people do it. But yeah, there's some other little bits and pieces that people might get. Um, because I'd always like to try anyone who takes part in any events and stuff in the shop I'd always like to try and give them something for for taking part so yeah like a participation medal but with a skull on it I can't remember the last time I, uh, anyone was even suggesting a painting competition because all they know all you ever hear about really is Golden Demon I can't remember the last time I went somewhere and there was even painting competition on so that's great I mean I yeah. think it's brilliant man excellent well, yeah. yeah, and yeah, because I, I, I'm, I'm never emptied one because I'm always like, oh, I'm not a Golden Demon level painter. Yeah, and so what's the point? Yeah, but I, I came to terms with it a long time ago that if, if you keep aiming for that, you just, you're going to ruin the painting. I just enjoy painting mm. and I enjoy it a hell of a lot more now since I decided I'm not going to be Golden Demon. I'm just going to paint because I enjoy it and I'm going to do what I want to do. So that's why, again, it's going to be a nice little casual painting competition. Quite small prizes. Gonna throw some extra bits in there for people and it's just the chance for everyone to sort of show off a little bit as well cool. well I'll buy some brushes I'll stop using my fingers yeah it's about <laughs> time it's about time I thought you were using potato stamps <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see how that goes awesome well I think that is it guys and before so, we go I, right. um, I want to mention Chris the Reverend oh yeah yeah because uh, basically 
Chris, if you're listening, I'd like you to read the passages faster. Because <laughs> they are awesome, aren't they? The fact that the the um, they sort of choose your own adventure. Yeah, it's it? great. So and we all rolled dice for that. We did you? indeed, and I did mine while I was out in Slovenia with work. Yeah, and um, I actually used like a dice rolling app, but I was sitting in a meeting at the time. <laughs> but I just listened to it outside on a break, and I was so keen to get involved that I had to do the dice straight away. And I'm, I'm, I've actually checked the podcast thing every day now for like five days and it's not there yet. The next installment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to be like a douche about it, but I mean, what the next installment? You, you need to come in on his video, uh, on his podcast and, and, and get him to... We are we did, we did, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I posted the results for the Grumpy Ponies rolling as, as if it was a Eurovision song contest. Yeah. <laughs> Here are the results from the Grumpy Pony. <laughs> this concludes the results from the Grumpy Pony. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, yeah, if anyone hasn't listened to that already, you've got to get involved in that because that's, that's great. Mm. It's great fun. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think on that note, I think we'd... Call it a day. Call it a day. Brilliant. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And that's, that's it from us today. So, all right, we'll speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.